0: Let's go. In episode two, we transition to we are now on the run. We're riding all day into the night and we arrive at Taran Ferry. So, Taran Ferry is obviously a place with a ferry. There is a big river that we need to cross. I just love this little scene because it again reinforces this idea of how normal everyday people perceive the Aes Sedai. Moraine basically rolls up and is like, we need to cross the fucking river. And she flashes the ring again. And the guy says, well, you know, obviously you're not someone who's used to saying no or someone saying no to you. And she's like, yeah, you're fucking right. So homeboy Master Hightower is his name, gets the ferry ready to go. Our whole squad hops on with their horses, right almost in the nick of time, essentially, because then we see as we're crossing the river, the whole Trolloc army... Is right on their heels they get to the point and stop and ah, our man master hightower is in for quite the night Gross. he did not know what he was getting into when he woke up to our squad rolling
1: up on him but dude just tell me what you guys thought of the first this is the first time we actually get the fade or the half man or the eyeless all all synonyms i think the show is going to lean into the eyeless idea so sticking with the eyeless when the eyeless it's kind of it kind of feels like hard home from game of thrones yeah exactly like that right like the eyeless knows right now you guys are out of reach but i'm coming for you motherfuckers and Mm. just does the whole fucking screech which gave me chills when it happened but just tell me that was your first experience of seeing what what we're working with this is like the peg up from the trolloc foot soldiers this are these are like the intermediate generals of the dark army and this is your first experience what do you guys think
2: I think the fact that you could tell that they have some some form of intelligence makes them way scarier. Yeah. And already on paper, if you're just looking at it and how mysterious it is with the cloak and versus how it is standing next to the Trox, the mystery behind it just makes it that much more scary. And I absolutely love the design. I think it's perfect. I think it's Absolutely terrifying, and anyone in their right mind would want to fuck off themselves you the like moment that, they run the, in front of one of these. You things. like that
1: skull on the horse, too?
2: Oh my god, the horse was the best part of it. <laughs> it looks so badass. So, yeah, it makes me think
3: is the horse like a regular horse with a mask on? Maybe the horse is the dark <laughs> yeah, one. Dead horse. That's the yeah, dark one.
2: The horse is the dark one. That is
3: very sweet. interesting. You
0: say that. <laughs> <laughs> we will be talking about that comment. Are you serious? I swear to God, for years to come.
2: <laughs> oh my god. So, put, amazing. A pen and put it on the board put it on the board
1: we need a literal board in more. this room
3: two things one the eyelashes or the fades whatever you want to call it mouth L- low, it was like a sea monster's mouth it Wasn't was it
1: like the dune actually worm? i was just yeah. gonna so like i rose worm? my hand for it i never thought insane, about that till yeah. right now too yeah. I, I didn't even have literally that
2: the dune worm yep.
3: second off i was a little annoyed that our heroes marineland and high master whatever dick <laughs> was on the barge and like a little bit we also learn you know trolls are their one fear is deep water so that's why they're not jumping in after them but they're on the barge like halfway across the river
1: cut the rope dude See, my think thinking behind that though is that I think it's more of they a momentum it. based like you're using it to pull yourself across sure. but once you get going, you're going to go. It's more about the way you use it to come back. Like you need it to kind of like direct the ship. But once the ship's moving, it's moving. Like, I don't think it's necessary. I don't know, though. I don't know how it works.
0: You're upset that they didn't do it halfway, they or they didn't do it the, at all.
1: That the Trollocs didn't cut it right when they were closing. Oh, the
3: Trollocs! Yes.
0: Oh, Well, they're too dumb for that. So that was that's
1: my, what I figured. That's
0: yeah, what I that's
2: also it. figured. I, that was that.
3: my assumption of why. Oh yeah, is because they're straight up animals. Dude, they, they're way too dumb. Like for that. you know, and the attack on the, the the two rivers town. Like they were just straight up eating dead bodies when people were running by them because they're they're straight up animals. Like they're that's stupid.
2: A, like if that's a million peaches and you get on that boat, your cat and they're You get on that boat and you're crossing. You think Peaches is going to be like, come back, cut the rope. (laughs) Well, I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. I will say, though, I don't know how much they're going to lean into it into the show, but
0: there is culture to the Trollocs. There's different clans. They have a little bit of a culture, but they don't, I don't think, have enough intelligence to kind of make that type of maneuver.
3: That's why when you told me that they speak in the books. It happens one time, I will say.
1: Okay. Yeah. It was What's definitely his name?
3: Narg. Narg. It was definitely like a first
0: bookism. Is the only
1: time it ever happened.
3: It was a first bookism of like,
1: oh, okay. they did
3: it and then he was kind of like, eh, maybe not.
1: That blows my mind. I that That okay, is so not that, something that's I do.
3: Why, that makes me happy because when you said they speak, I was like, maybe they're smarter than I think. No. But yeah. I'm going to lean into their dumb animals.
0: No, they that's are. why
1: Narg is I- iconic.
0: Yes. Okay. The Trollocs are essentially just ruled by fear and instinct. So the only reason why they are just like, would march throughout the night and all this shit is because the fade, they're afraid of the fade or the eyeless. And I just, Dave, I want to roll back a little bit to the comment that you made where like if you look at this thing, you would off yourself. There is a, a common phrase that's used in the books is that the look of an eyeless is fear. Borderline paralyzing when you come face to face with a these Slenderman
2: things. Slenderman thing. It's
0: put with a <laughs> mouth.
1: Yeah, honestly.
0: Slenderman's yeah. terrifying. So, yes. So to finish this scene, uh, Moraine, actually, when they get to the other side, she has Paul's idea where she wants to destroy the ferry the barge so she creates a whirlpool and master hightower Dumbass. in his i guess honorable line of thinking to save his son just jumps into the water and i would go as far as to say kills himself oh no,
2: yeah yeah yes
1: specifically <laughs> she, says Moraine
2: that. would agree with that yeah statement and he she didn't kill him i mean yeah. he literally willingly jumped in this world but
1: i will also say this this shows you a little bit that the power it's so overwhelming it could sometimes be sloppy mm. right like it's not like super controlled she can't be like all right whirlpool done you know it's not like marvel like it's 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 a little bit more yeah. naturistic it's a beast that, that not everybody truly understands and yeah sometimes it's overwhelming
3: follow-up question the way the trollocs catch up to them eventually they obviously don't touch on it Do we just assume they went around? Yeah, they built a bridge. They went the long way, baby. They went up and around. Because I thought the whole thing was like, yeah, once we get to the river and cross, we'll be safe.
1: But You You ever see um, uh, the Brad Pitt zombie movie, World War Z? Yeah. When they, it's basically just, just they throw a, a bunch of bodies into the water. Eventually <laughs> yeah. enough will get across. Maybe I don't.
0: It's more of a function that that's like a wide part of the river. Okay. And they just travel up river to cross. Yeah. yeah okay. I, yeah. I can,
2: I can do. It with wasn't that. like a big river. Uh, well, that yeah. was the thing. I didn't know it
3: was like the river because they say like, once we get there, we'll be we're safe. I didn't know, know if it was like notoriously or yeah. like big.
0: Or something. We lose master high tower very quickly is that high tower does say the white cloaks are right about you guys to yeah. Moraine. So again, we're just really hammering home this idea that the common folk don't really fuck with the Aes Sedai. And I think that was the whole purpose of that yes. scene. Oh, it's yeah.
2: No, no matter how stupid it was that he just randomly mm-hmm. jumped in, it was just to emphasize the fact that oh, yeah. like people can view them terribly. And our squad of four, our, our Edmonds
0: Field and four at this point, yeah, witness. are kind of like, oh, shit. You know, she is willing to do whatever it takes to get this mission done.
1: Alright, so then we, we start showing some cool, in my opinion, one of the cooler uses of the power is you get a quick glimpse of Moraine actually taking away the fatigue of some of the horses. Like she has that mm-hmm. ability, and that's cool to know. But this is where we start having. Um,
2: I think you should actually elaborate, like just a little bit more on that, just because my first and second watch, or even third watch, so I didn't really catch. It's that. super
1: subtle. It's way more explicit exactly. in the book, and, and, that's, and that's it's actually it's important because yeah. they're always traveling, and Moraine's always taking away the the Emmons feels forced fatigue. Like, but we already know from future episode maybe even later in this episode, I said, I can't use the power on themselves, so they can't heal themselves. They can't take their own fatigue away. So you just said to get a quick glimpse. It's like a book shout out a little bit. When she's she's waking the horse up a little bit more.
2: I didn't catch it. Yeah. The wisp was smoke. I want to keep calling it that, even though it's not actual smoke, but like you see it on, on the horse's face. And then all of a sudden from it being crouched, it just jumps up and it's ready to go.
0: There's something that happens in the book with this scene. That's very similar that we won't be able to talk about until the end of this season, but we will reference this scene again and it'll be fun to talk about it then and kind of see everyone's reaction to that.
1: You see a little of the kids gossiping. They start talking about the dragon and like this whole idea of the prophecy. Rand says specifically, they say that the last dragon broke the world, but the next one will save it. And you agree, right, Dave?
2: Yeah, I'm, there's <laughs> no way that's changed. But it's just important
1: to know that they know the rumors, they know the prophecy now, mm, and like they're aware of yes. what the DR is. And then I think the next important thing that happens really is the moraine later that night, the oh, moraine yeah. and the Egwane conversation. And to me, Huge. God, this was fucking this was amazing to me because they, they start dropping some names that you don't have to worry about now. Arthur Hawkwing, like this is just some good deep history named people. But they say Arthur Hawkwing's three laws that bound all I Sedai.
0: The three oaths.
1: The three oaths. And actually, I only have the the wording of two of them so if you actually have all three because what marine is asking a who, who has heard of the three odes and they I got a com- word for word okay right so let's here. hear him let's hear him
2: one to speak no word that is not true two to make no weapon with which one man may kill another three never to use one power as a weapon except against dark friends or shadow spawn or in the last extreme defense of her life, the life of her warder or another Aes Sedai. Essentially breaking it down, saying that you can only defend yourself, your warder, and another Aes Sedai. That's the only time you can use it.
1: And so the only thing, before I let you guys jump in here, these laws are so, they cannot be broken. Meaning like Maureen and any of the Aes Sedai sisters, it's not that they won't tell a lie because it's like their quote unquote, like religion or belief or anything like that. They physically cannot, Speak a word that is not true. So just know that these limitations are in their blood; it's in their DNA now.
2: And it's funny how you're calling them limitations because now that you say that word, and I'm looking at all of my notes and everything, I'm kind of more now on the page that Egwene is not going to be the Dragon Reborn. Like I think the Dragon Reborn wouldn't have these limitations per se. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think the Dragon Reborn is not going to have like be able to use their power only to save themselves. The warder or a nice guy. so if she chose if egwene chooses to go this route there's no way she's the dragon reward that's my that's my thought process we mentioned the women's circle scene with
0: egwene and paul and luke you had both said that scene kind of didn't really serve so much of a purpose or that it was kind of whatever it didn't really need to be there or at the very least it was kind of a question this is where it comes back into play because maureen teaches or i'm sorry maureen teaches Egwene how to touch the power using the analogy of surrendering yourself to the river oh that's cool so she learns that Essentially, she is Ah, way more she's
2: it's
3: it's way easier for her to get it quick because she had that experience i thought that that was like a whole ice die the water was an analogy that everybody uses so it is
0: that there's a way that they talk about it how Opening yourself up to the power for women. They a lot of women use similar tricks like that, but that was the purpose of that's the, gotcha. the callback.
3: That's like for the easiest way for her to understand. Yeah. Personally, she like it clicks for her a little bit easier. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. That makes a lot more sense. And I'm very glad that you said that. My other question, you guys said that like an said Sedai can't lie. They like physically can't lie. So
1: they cannot speak a word that is not true.
3: Okay. So, the third oath saying they can never use one power to kill, unless against
2: what was it? A, against a dark fiend? You have to use it against a dark fiend or a shadow no, spawn. No, no, dark okay. friend. Ex- except against dark friends or shadow spawn, or in the last extreme defense of her life and the f- okay. life of her friends.
1: And let's wait. Let's quickly clarify on that verbiage. Shadow spawn spawn are non-human part of the army like of the dark one side. So that's Trollocs and, and fades. That was my big and question. dark friends are humans that are on the dark one side.
3: Cause that was my big question was like Marines killing a lot right now. And it's definitely not just to save her or a warder or, you know, another ice to die. So the, the fact that y- they are able to kill dark friends,
0: everything that she has killed, using the power on purpose up until this point has been a Trollic. The Just Master like- Hightower death was not, not right. directly because yeah, she of says her. That. Sorry, I gotta I do agree.
2: it. We gotta make the air- anime comparison. Kutupka uh, from Hunter x Hunter can <laughs> only use it. his power against yes. the Phantom Troop and here we are.
1: Yes, it's exactly like that. Exactly. Yep. And there are loopholes of course, not loopholes, but there are workarounds, workarounds as always. Yes. Like you can tell from the lying rule. Mm-hmm.
3: We also got the sweet You know, you say you listen to the wind. No, 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 no. The wind listens to you.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm. Because channeling using the one power is essentially capturing the power of nature almost. Mm -hmm. So a very quick little thing that we do see in this scene is that Rand does see this interaction happen. So that is slightly important Mm -hmm. for some things that happened a little bit later in this episode. But Rand kind of sees Moraine in his eyes, you know, sinking her fingers a little bit into his girl, Egwene. Kind of how Tam views it. Yes, exactly. She is pulling the strings, essentially. And also, we do learn in this little collection of scenes that Perrin is wounded. Perrin has been hurt from the Trolloc attack. He has some claw marks on
3: his leg. He obviously is not telling anyone. Pissing me off.
1: (laughs) Always verbally pissed off throughout the whole back I just
3: don't understand why. Like, we already saw Moraine can use... Her powers to heal the trollic poison and heal wounds. She can heal other people besides not herself. But like, is he not saying it because he doesn't want to talk about how it's a wound about when he actually killed L- Layla? Like, I just, I just don't get it. And, and I have hope that they're gonna explain it.
2: And if they don't, I'm gonna be okay. It's funny that your tone makes me think that you're not too happy with the storyline. Meanwhile, in my notes, I said. This is the most interesting storyline to me so far is, is his connection country. with the wolves.
0: This is an amazing scene and a very important scene we get next is actually a dream scene. Rand falls asleep, and I just love how in the beginning of it, he wakes up, and you just think he's waking up in the middle of the night, but I think the key thing here is that it's silent. There's no noise. You're not hearing nature. The leaves aren't ruffling, hmm. so you kind of can feel something's a little wrong, and then our boy just proceeds to cough up a bat. Dead bat. Which, I'm just a little curious of what you guys were thinking when he coughed up the I, fucking bat. I was
2: thinking, this isn't what Ozzy Osbourne would do. Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> would eat the head off that bat and fucking swallow it. No. They, they honestly, literally reverse the footage. Yeah, reverse, reverse the Ozzy. footage and it's just Ozzy at his concert now. <laughs> but honestly, creepy-ass scene, Paul called it out in his first watch, so he was like, this has got to be a dream. But it wasn't really a dream, but creepy as fuck like you see him pull that wing out first and then it's the body it's like this nasty
3: and it's like yeah why bats like why yeah why bats too is my big question and like they did say earlier, they said, oh, I heard rumors like the Dragon Reborn like will actually have wings and shit like that. And I was like, you know, bats have wings. <laughs> bats
2: have, bats I was like, wings. is there a connection? <laughs> like they coughed up like a wolf skull. Maybe that would have made <laughs> yeah. some sense. But a bat that's like coming out of left field at this point. In you time. are grinding out connections in your head right now. It's Bro. so this funny. I got <laughs> way more.
1: Paul's yeah. great at that. Yeah, but
2: Paul is really
1: good at
0: this. So a very important part of this scene also is that when Rand actually wakes up, the bat is, there are bats everywhere. Yes, and it's not just one. Yeah, it's there's a crazy.
1: And <laughs>
0: everyone else has had the dream as well. Rather, everyone from Evans Field has had the dream. And
1: this is a little anecdote when we were watching it because I had my roommates trying to guess who the dragon was the whole time, right? So when this first dream starts happening, they're all like, Oh, it's Rand, he's having the dream. And you see, the dark one Paul for a second right said it too or
2: alki one of them said it too they're yeah, like yeah, when, yeah. when
1: he's watching, like, i said the
2: same yeah. shit
1: because you for a second you see the dark one like you see his eyes right like his eyes fire, like, like, like emba eyes. And then so as soon as Rand wakes up and he walks over and he and, he, and he's talking to Moraine and you tells see, us what we you said three you find rats. out all of the others are having this. So right away like all my roommates were like, "Oh my god, it's Rand, he's the dragon." And then he, they're like he has the, he had the dream. He had the dream. And then everyone else says they're like, "Okay, out the window. It's back to parent."
2: <laughs> yeah, back to everyone being on the table.
3: It's very interesting though because you know, we see Rand's dream and then we hear Matt talk about his dream and his dream all the bats, there's multiple bats and their necks snapped in midair. He didn't pull it out from his throat. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we got those two. I'm wondering what the other two dreams were and, you know, if each dream, each dream means something else, like they're on a different path or something. Um, I will say at the end of episode one, we have Moraine saying, she's telling the story about the Aes Sedai with the eyes so white that was born. And then she also goes on to say that The dark one's whispers are like already within us. And I was like, yo, is this this one of the dark one's whispers? Is this how he's like getting connected? That
0: Mm -hmm. is a wonderful catch that you caught that line. That line will be something else that we'll be talking about in a couple of years as well. (laughs) Why are you good at this?
1: So they have the dream conversation. Maureen is very, she's very vocal about the idea that dreams have powers, right? So she's Mm -hmm. like concerned. She's like, what did you see? What happened in all your guys' dreams? And then she says before she walks away, if this shit happens again, you tell me right away. And then that sparks Rand freaking out, right? He blows up for a second and I'll get back to that in one second. But then she storms off. She's about to storm off and Rand's like, all right, well, I'm going to leave then. And Moraine says, well, you know what? I don't have time for you. Go ahead and leave. She leaves. And then that's when Rand and Egwene have the next confrontation that they haven't had in a minute where Egwene, Rand's going to pull the wisdom card about how, Gwen already ga- already gave up on the idea of their relationship being something and like they have that whole back and forth Gwen says you're basically being a dick moraine has saved our lives multiple times there's no fucking way she's as bad as the trollocs they're trying to kill us
2: and yeah and's also like she's playing favorites like you and her clearly yes. have a connection so that's what
1: I, I'll, I'll take it back and i'll pass it over to you paul i am super passionate about this scene and i actually really really love it in hindsight but just tell me are you team Iguane? Are you team Rand? Do you think Rand has a point? Or do you think Rand's being irrational? Just tell me what you think about that blow up. Because that scene well, is powerful for me.
3: You vocalized a little bit of your thoughts about this scene. Because we have the four of them just like literally verbalizing their thoughts. And you can go to each of them and be like, yo, they have a point. Rand has a point. He's like, yo, you're a random person. You just pulled us away from our village. You didn't tell us anything. You barely tell us where you're going. We're just supposed to trust you at the same time. Egwene is like, bro, you saw the Trolloc. Like, you want to go back to them? You, they were eating your fucking friend from the inside out. And then, you know, they go to Matt and Matt is saying, if I had to choose, I would choose following the woman that shoots fireballs because I don't. want so, A lady
1: does shoot fireballs. Yeah. Like that.
3: So like they it's all make good. Piss points. Her off. It, it makes good points. And like they're kind of thinking like the same thing we're thinking. Yo, what the fuck's going
2: on. Who is this person?
1: So just initial take, which team ran or team McWayne on that conversation?
2: I can't be both. I mean, I was I was literally dead 50-50. The only reason I side with Egwane is literally because I'm going to follow the person who has the plan, not even can just shoot fireballs, but at least has a plan for us. We leave her. Okay, what's our plan? You have mm-hmm. literally jack shit. You have to go to a random town cut some fucking wood. Yeah. Leave in a bunk. Like that's not happening. Like you're going to follow the one that has a plant. He has a sword that he pretty much doesn't know how to use. And that's yeah. it.
1: Epic yeah. sword though. It's a great sword. It's a great sword. That was, good. was Dave's sword. Right Come on.
0: Mm, I got two good swords right here. Is one of them your penis? How was he going to say that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh,
2: three three. <laughs> two and a half.
0: So after our little dust up with Egwene and Rand, we get back on the road so as we're on the road we run into a new faction luke's favorite mm-hmm. not his favorite faction but the fact that we get a new faction
1: thank you for clarifying because nobody <laughs> fucks- might be my favorite
0: faction <laughs> get the fuck out of here. nobody <laughs> no,
1: davis actually dave actually said that
0: okay yeah. apparently dave fucks with <laughs> the white cloaks so actually this is not the first time we've seen the white cloaks in this episode The cold open of episode two that we glossed over just so things were a little bit more consistent in us talking about um, the Edmonds Field 4 and Moraine and Lan is we meet, we don't get his name at the moment, but his name is Eamon Valda. So Valda, which is, this is a crazy start to an episode because we've just seen Moraine basically protect the entire village and put her life on the line. And now we transition to a white
2: cloak man who is burning an Aes Sedai At the stake. Complete parallel to actually the first opening we got in episode one. Parallel where we see the Aes Sedai chasing the man and almost essentially burning him or killing him rather. And the Aes Sedai aren't all powerful as we thought they were in that cold opening of episode one. Yeah, that actually, I didn't think about it until you mentioned that she's
3: being burned at the stake. What do these white cloaks do? How are they so strong that they can capture
2: an Aes Sedai? That's what I'm excited for, too, because we don't get it in these three episodes. No. The power of Eamon Valda. We don't know what he's capable of. Like, yeah. I just have him as the captain. Does he yeah. have just like- So I think a little insight into that question
0: is in this interaction we get when we meet back up with him in the forest. We know with the three O's that Moraine can't use the one power willy nilly. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, yeah she can't just lash out with the power against the white cloaks oh okay it. yeah
3: it's one of the oh, okay yeah she. This. they are
0: restrained in that sense that they can't just see
2: a white cloak and fuck them up like they need to feel the threat against their life to do so something. they basically the white cloaks would have one let's go this is all for the for yeah. all the marbles moment like let's mm-hmm. capture them yeah they're weak there's so. also a common like phrase that's used in the books, an
0: arrow can just kill an Aes Sedai from behind. You and can it was
1: kind of does. Not I the train that I mean, hits her, yeah. that, like, that, her. That was a cool moment, at least for me, because it showed. it's They're not indestructible yeah. gods, right? Shit can happen.
0: Yeah, you can knock them out. You can knock them unconscious. You can drug them. There's a lot of different ways. And he, then he proceeds to cut off her hands. Yes. Which is a big thing. Because we know how much Moraine uses her hands when she uses the power. Yes. So all of that is
3: kind of combining to be that this guy does not fuck around. This was the confirmation for me that the person who's trying to take down an ice guy cut off their hands, a.k.a. they need their hands to use their power. Yeah. So this was the confirmation of that.
1: Now, is it because they need their hands or is it because it's the ring that's the power or is it the hand motions like the, the magicians? Like, what is I'm so going to bring on? out Why? a quote
2: from Hunter x Hunter Netero when he's fighting the king ant, says he's using two hands to pray the entire fight. The king cuts his arm, thinks he has him in checkmate, and he's like, "You don't need two hands; you can pray with one hand." Hey. It's like the same thing. It's like you could still use magic with one yeah. hand. Yeah, maybe. I was
3: gonna say I don't think it's the ring because they have shown scenes where they use the opposite ring hand to use to channel magic. Yeah,
0: so and I will say that I think it's too early in the series to be using words like confirmation <laughs> on something like this. Okay, or that's anything. a good. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. That's a good
3: point. Because to go to Dr. Strange of Marvel, you know, they have their hands and they use it to cast magic and it's easier. But at the same time, there's somebody with an amputee who is able to use magic. It might be a little bit harder, but he can still do it. So Mm -hmm. you're right. I shouldn't say confirmation. So this little weasel,
0: Valda, hops off his horse and he is called a questioner. So he is somebody who is in the White Cloak Army white cloak is a colloquial term for the army that is known as the children of the light. So they are a group of zealots that they find all dark friends and kill them to like an insane degree. So Valda's role as a questioner is to just essentially torture people to confirm and get confessions that they're dark friends, all children of the light slash white cloaks because it's the same thing, believe that I are dark friends. So they immediately okay. believe that they're all witches of the dark can't be trusted, got to kill all of
2: them. I just think something like that is just so ridiculous back in the day. It's like, no matter, you could just torture the shit out of someone. They could be telling the truth and you're just going to keep torturing. That is a
1: huge plot point in the books. Constantly, they're just, they say, say, if you're you're going to torture them long enough, they're going to say whatever you want them to say. You know, and that's why the questioners are so. That's what I'm thinking. And if important. that's
2: me getting tortured over and over and I'm being truthful as shit, at some point it's like, okay, kill me. Yes, you're right. Yes. You know? Yep. That's kind of the role that, that they play. That's so unfair. That but they,
0: they do do a good job of this scene of comparing Valda himself and the way he's kind of a little crazy to the man who's actually the leader of this little squad. His name is Geoffrey Bornhold. So we can just call him Bornhold at the moment. He 40. can tell.
2: He can like look in someone's eyes and tell if they're telling the truth or not. No, that but- is a wild assumption.
1: <laughs> no, no. He says to Moraine, "Oh, you should go to that oh, city." Oh, that guy. Okay. Yes. yes, yes. He says you should go to the city and get that looked at by an eyes to die.
0: That line is a little wild because I don't think any white cloak would
3: recommend.
1: That's true. Going a, to an eyes to die
3: was a little bit of a weird uh line, but I don't know. Help me out one more time. What is the questioner's name? Amen. Let's just go
1: with Valda. I would just Valda. say Valda. His Valda. first name
3: is spelled E A M O N,
0: which is kind of like—is it Eamon? Is it Eamon? Eamon. I think yeah. you could people will run with it a little bit. So I would just say Valda.
3: Okay. Just want to say Valda. Incredible character so far. Yep. I don't like yep. him, but I love his character. He looks so evil and complex. His actor, the way he portrays him, great so far. Even though he's only been on the screen for like seven minutes. Going back to the opening scene, you know, when he shows, he grabs the ring off of the one I bring bringing at the stakes, separate hand, as to the collection and Luke over here, he was like, yeah, I counted it, It's seven rings that ends up being, you know, very important going forward to add on to this character. We know in this show already that colors kind of have meaning. So, like in within the Aes Sedai, the ones that chase down the men that channel, they have their own color. They're red. Rain, she's rocking blue. In the one the, that
1: was burned at the stake.
3: Yeah, which Shal Alki noticed. She I,
1: was rocking yellow, right? I believe yellow. she
3: was rocking yellow. So, colors mean things. And within the white cloaks, it seemed that the, the guy. So, I'm sorry. Help me out with his name. The one who recommended to go see Bornhold. Him. Yeah. Borny. How did I forget? Borny. So, <laughs> so I'm okay with Borny.
1: Borny's great. Yeah.
3: Borny is rocking a gold shoulder gauntlet mm-hmm. and the questioner and all of his followers are rocking silver. And to go back to the opening scene, they focus in on the Vol- vault. Valda. Valda. It's basically Dave Talda. Okay. But Valda a v. v. There's no way and I can figure it out. Yeah. Dave
1: commented on that when I told him. With I've the never seen a name like
3: that close yeah. to
2: Talda. And I was like, that's that's my name. So,
3: Valda's Goblet was like pure silver. They focused in on it. So, like, it's, I don't know what it means. I just, it's a little d- division within the White Cloaks itself with different faction. It's really cool and I fucking love it.
1: The the main takeaways from this scene are we get the re-emphasis about Moraine not lying, but telling a truth that you don't expect to hear. And then we also, in my opinion, is super important to know is that Valda himself says to Bornhold as they're walking away that we questioners answer to a higher power than you guys. So just know that there are some there there's some tension going on within the white cloaks themselves. And then again, Moraine proved here in the next scene with, with Egwene when they're talking that the truth you think you hear isn't always what you think like. Th- that's the workaround of how they don't always lie. They can never lie, but they don't always tell the truth.
0: Yeah. And that's another reason why people don't trust the eyes to die, because everyone for the most part knows about the three O's and they know they can't lie, but they know that they're kind of slimy and, in that way uh, that they dance
2: around lying. Yeah. Yes, but I will say Eamon Valda does sneak into my top three most interesting characters. Okay, okay. Yeah. interesting. He has that slimy confidence mm-hmm.
0: when he's kind of interrogating Moraine and it's pissing Lan off a lot. Yeah. So he's like, oh, like, where
2: are you from? And my he's eyes, like, nerd. my favorite possible quote besides, eyes like Ember. Embers. <laughs> that is is literally when... Is, she, when where are you going?
1: Oh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay,
2: we'll bring that up yeah, again that was, when we get there. <laughs> but it's when uh, Moraine's like, he said, he mentioned that he won't forget our faces today, but He's not the only one that's going to forget a face today. And like, gang, that, gang. That was so that is tough. so
1: fucking badass. That
2: was tough, but I think it's Land for me, Land, uh, Valda, and Tom Maryland are my okay. three. Like these are interesting. Must, these are my interesting, okay. not favorites, but yeah. they're my like. I'm, say. I'm keeping close tabs on these. Three. <laughs> that would be a wild
3: top three. Rosamond Pike is. An amazing actress. We already know this from Gone Girl. But I mean, her differentiation in facial expressions between being Moraine, who is literally frowning half the time, it feels like, or just straight face to, oh, I'm going to pretend that I'm a lady from The Fallen House, which question in itself, what is that? I'm going to ask you later. But her just smiling when uh, Valda is questioning her and all this other stuff and it's like, oh,
2: my wound. And like all this other stuff, she's just facial. Her smiling she is displays so good. that scene. Yeah. She looked like she was actually very weak in that moment oh, yeah. too. Like she looked, she's been more pale. sickly. Like I mean, granted, yes, she was injured. Blah blah blah. But I think she emphasized it a little bit more in that scene with her tone of voice, like just mm-hmm. the the face. Yeah, I agree, Paul. It was a really good acting on her part.
0: All right, so we can transition away from the slimy white cloaks into one of my absolute favorite scenes. This is a scene where everyone who read the books was so excited for this scene to happen, and it doesn't happen in the same way, but I still think it was so good the way it was done, mostly because the song now is stuck in my head of Sing a manetherin, oh weep, weep, oh, oh manetherin. Perns, yeah. Perns oh. the basic. Yeah, dude, it's really good. <laughs> They're wow. so good together singing. So the words of the song reach Moraine essentially. And she's like, whoa, I know that. So she tells them that Manetherin is actually a real thing. Because Matt even has the quote, like, it's just a song. Who is Manetherin? Moraine tells them a story of that in the area where the Two Rivers is and in the mountains of the mist, there used to be a city called Manetherin, which in the old tongue means mountain home. Very long story short. This is one of the first cities to emerge after the world was broken by the dragon. So it became essentially almost a keystone for building the new world in the aftermath. Then after a period of relative peace, Trollocs came down again in what is known as the Trolloc War. So Trollocs descend on Minethrin, a small city, but a very strong army, which I just love this little fact that was a thorn in the side of the Dark One. Mm -hmm. I just like that a lot. So they fought the Trollocs for 10 whole days thinking that they were going to get some aid, but they were betrayed by allies who promised them aid. After
2: three days. Yeah. They they said, we will help you if you survive three days, we will help Mm -hmm. you. And they survived. Fucking tent. So the, shout 12, out 12, right? It was 12. Yeah, it day. got past. Yeah. yeah, it got past that. Yeah.
0: So there's two key points I think that happen here is that, or actually, even three. She mentions that the villagers even joined in on the battle. They left the city to go then fight on the front lines. And this was paralleled with people from the village of Edmondsfield fighting the Trollocs. They take down that Trolloc by themselves. They weren't all just going to hide. And the second thing, which is tied to that, the old blood. So this is kind of tying in that whole ancestry of you guys have this reputation that people from the two rivers are born of people from Monethrin and the people from Monethrin were fucking badasses that didn't take shit. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing will be that kind of the tragic love story at the end of it, and that Queen Eldrine was so grief-stricken when her husband, who was King Amon, died that she basically blew up the whole fucking city and everything surrounding it.
1: Including the Trolloc army.
0: Yes, including the whole army. And then afterwards, the people found their way back to rework and live on the land because the old blood is strong and they don't fucking take shit. Mm-hmm. So that scene, that story feels very like exposition and almost out of place. But that lays such a foundation for the characters themselves and the reason why they are the way they are. And there's actually an animated short that Amazon put out that's based on this story. Oh, that's hot. So I don't know if they're available yet, but I would go to Amazon to Prime and I haven't found it yet, but they did put out a small short animated on this stuff. So I would definitely, if you're interested in it, go watch
3: that. Okay, a little bit of clarification. So Queen Aldrine was actually an enemy of Minethorin. No,
0: she was the queen of the city the king fell and the army fell. So instead of letting the Trollocs come into the city and she was so like upset that she pulled in the one power because she could channel yes. and she pulled in so much that she blew up everything. Yeah,
3: Hurricane of fire, which yeah. is yeah. hot to hear. Yeah. So blood Amon, I'm sorry, the blood of amen which they sing in the song mm-hmm. King Amon was, is their
0: ancestor. Okay.
3: I thought King Amon was leading the enemy.
2: So. no, the, the enemy trolux.
0: was the
3: Trollocs.
2: Yes. It's the Trolloc Wars. Yeah. the
0: yeah. humans, okay. all the humans were good people.
2: Okay.
3: That's their blood. That's the old blood that they have been born from. Gotcha. The fact that Queen Aldrine used more of the one power than anyone else had is fucking nuts. I mean, she shriveled up and died, but the fact that she used it the most, I mean, that's amazing.
1: And then the other thing that happens before we start moving to, to important stuff. I mean more Ooh. important stuff <laughs> to say sorry. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say this might have been so, like yeah, Kathleen's yeah. No, favorite
3: scene. It is is it's totally favorite, just
1: the um the scene with Perrin who is again by himself at this point and he's looking at the injury on his leg and we have the wolf scene, right? The wolf comes up and licks his leg. And I think oh, sh- you guys both kind of had a thought on this, at least when we were live.
2: Parent sneaks into the top three.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah, right? this An ever-changing top a- three.
2: Because I, earlier I said that Parent had the best storyline, and I, how am I going to go back on that by not even playing? <laughs> Give me the what you three. think
1: about that wolf scene, though, because you both I remember <sighs> were saying things out loud when we were watching it. And my theory
2: on the initial reaction, I thought it had something to do with him being a werewolf. Now I don't know. I just kind of thought he's seen all these wolves. They're helping him out. Like he's having weird visions of his girlfriend being dead. And the wolf was fucking eating his, her stomach out in that one vision. Like it was really crazy. So at first I thought a werewolf, but now I'm kind of thinking the show is more intricate than that. And now he's just on my watch list. I don't know what to expect.
3: <laughs> yeah. I could see this going a few different ways. It's so annoying. Cause they're like, Oh, like who do you think the dragon reborn is? I'm like, I don't know. All four of them have like their own moments. You're like, oh, it's them. I He's really the don't think
2: it's Egwene. At this point in time, I'm really not thinking it's a Egwene.
3: But like, I see this, I see this parent scene, and all right, the wolves are, are they bad? Are they good? Either way,
2: they lick the wound that they're, they're friendly. That proves right there that they're friendly. The fact that they didn't just tear his leg off.
3: But it was also a trollic poison wound and i don't know i was like yo they're looking that wound that was made by evil like are they evil
2: themselves i'm like- in the same boat as you man i'm like looking at this and i have no way to take but- it the only thing that makes it interesting for me though is that i'm just kind of thinking that he is potentially like i don't think this is a good power to have at the end of the day i don't think this is a good
1: power so whatever's have. going on with parent you think is going to be a negative you think it's more of a curse i think it's more of a
2: curse yeah
1: so Dude, i don't know I this, me to just this is Dude, you just me saying that with your legs like that is convincing
2: <laughs> yeah you, you look, look, you you very, look very intelligent <laughs> you look very intelligent like
1: it's, Even though it, with those my slippers,
2: my leg is just crossed my slippers on I'm wearing joggers. I'm just, I'm you comfy. look, you look I'm so confident. confidently intelligent. You look like
1: a podcaster. We have know, to take no a picture.
3: Point. But all right, and in, in the same breath, you're like, all right, like wolves, like their nature, the ice Sedai used the power of nature. Like, dude, they could be good or bad. Like, I have no idea where this is going. No, all anywhere. I know is that parent is on my top three. Watch right. list.
1: <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Let me take us to the next major spot, then you take it away for us because this is another transitional couple scenes here. That night, after the parent goes back, they're all sleeping by the campfire. Of course, Land's going to be the one to on watch, and then I think is Egwene it Wayne that, up the, that wakes up.
3: She hears the whispers in hears the wind. It on the wind, and I'm like, she's the dragon reborn, dude. It's <laughs> like, it's like it, they all have their moments. It's great. Well, Out
1: it. on it, being dragon reborn, oh, but I essentially, don't... what's happening is the fades. Fi- the fade and the Trollocs finally caught up from the ferry. Scene, and they uh, they start chasing the whole squad. Squad rallies. Moraine can't walk; she's basically in dire straits now. Land throws Moraine up to uh, parents. Says, "Hold her. We got to fucking bounce right now." They eventually get to a border of an area where they're about to get caught by the Trolloc army, and then everybody just stops, including the horses who won't move forward. And we find out you, the camera pans. You see that the Trolloc army is just there's like an invisible barrier that the Trolloc army won't cross. Land leads them in, says, the Trollocs will not follow us in here. And what we see is this, it's just like a, it's a perfect fantasy city, right? It's just epically big. It's over the top, just this beautifully broken down city that just seems to be abandoned. And our squad is walking through this and there seems to be no life at all. No plants. They say no bugs, no people, no noise.
0: Land then leads them into this large abandoned building, sets them up and gives them this background that's really funny because he talks about how... This city used to be called Hall, and it was very powerful, but they were actually one of the cities, or it might actually be even be the city that turned their back on Menetherin only to be devoured by its own evil. So they kind of shut their own walls off to everyone else in the world during the Trolloc Wars to try to protect themselves. But in the end, by locking themselves in with everyone else, the paranoia and the evil inside the walls actually was the downfall of the city. But Matt also just has a great line here where he's like... Well, first of all, that's the most words you've said today and maybe ever. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was great. And
0: second, like, why did you
1: bring us here?
3: That was like one of the moments where I was like, fuck, man, I really like your actor. And now you're not yes. gonna be in season I totally, two. And then
1: to even further add to how likable his actor is, at least as Matt, what happens right after this is he hit Matt and Perrin have that like good scene where mm-hmm. Matt kind of is consoling him about his wife, gives him the what gives him yeah. the knife that she made. And that, to me, was like a beautiful scene, especially when I watch it for the second time. I'm like, wow, they're really hammering home how how boys these boys are, you know? They're homies.
3: It's just annoying because if they're homies, why doesn't Perrin, I guess he's ashamed, why doesn't he tell them the truth about layla and wh- why he can't live with himself they obviously
1: yeah, it's believable
3: i know it's just frustrating but so hard what does it even
1: do to, though, to you admit
2: said that- to yourself and others yeah that to explain to why you, you, you are like
3: you are
0: right yeah. now I, Like I depressed i think I'm the big guess, thing is yeah. admitting it almost saying it out loud
3: Yeah, it's such a big step i believe that it's hard yeah but like come on like they made a point earlier, Gwen earlier in the episode said, like, all oh, these trolley came in. They killed nineave They killed Nineveh. They killed
2: Lila. And Parent just like stood there, stone faced and like twitched real quick. It's like it's not something that has to be addressed right now, I think. I think the story itself will address it later in probably a more dire situation, let's be honest. Like when they really need him, it's gonna affect him more. But I think right now it's of yeah. course it can be he's not acting that He's no. not acting that out of the ordinary. Yeah,
3: I, I agree, but I'm like, dude, tell them they're
2: your best friends, you're traveling. But I agree. I, There's always that thing. that's like, you just got to yeah. be open with your friends at this point in time. You this just like,
3: scene made me love Matt. I
2: thought this was point awesome. in time. <laughs> <laughs> that's my yeah. like
0: catchphrase, apparently. This is a great Matt scene. I just love the line. It's also interesting that it's a good way to work Layla into the squad a little too, because she shows that she knows Matt too, where she says <laughs> that, you know, I'm giving you this dagger. It's probably going to be used as a tool more than anything else. But if you get into trouble, like keep it sharp. And she knew that he would probably be the one to get everyone else in trouble because that's just how Matt is. And I think that's such a nice little way at the end to connect Matt and Perrin Mm -hmm. too. Cause that's like a nice callback to Layla. And Matt's trying to be a nice guy, but uh, that's just so goddamn so. I
1: think we, like we did in the last episode, I think it's time for a speed run of the whole act three part. And then we just talk about our favorites because this is just, you just got to watch it to know
0: yeah i mean this shit happens pretty quickly so everyone falls asleep and matt wakes up to whispers he's kind of hearing voices a little bit so he like every smart person in every horror movie or tv (laughs) show you've ever watched wanders into the abandoned city alone and is investigating these voices a little bit then he sees a shadow of a person follows the person like everyone else would finds a dagger cool dagger Next thing you know, Black Mist covering the entire city. Horse swallowed, turned to ashes. (laughs) Team split up. We have Matt and Rand, Egwene and Perrin. So those two squads go their separate ways. Lan and Moraine are a little late on the uptake because Moraine is on the verge of death. Rand and Matt run, have to break down. A, a door they had to break down a gate they jump out of the city into the water Egwene and Perrin try to get high so they run up the walls jump off the walls into the water Dead. and Lan and Moraine they get
2: high with Shut up. their <laughs> feet
0: and Lan and Moraine ride out of Shadar Lagasse to I guess relative safety
1: and the first sticking point for me here like something that just is so awesome I don't know why and maybe you guys tell me differently but as the second shit's starting to go down, Moraine wakes up and is in Lan's arms. And she goes, where are we? Lan doesn't say anything. And she goes, you killed us all. Like, mm-hmm. the, just the epicness of that, because they did argue about this earlier in the episode about not going to this city because it's so cursed. But it was mm-hmm. the only way that Lan could protect the squad from the Trollic army. So honestly, I see it from both perspectives, but just like the weight behind Moraine waking up and three seconds later knowing the gravity of the situation was just so fucking cool to me. And that was my favorite part, this whole Shadow Logo- Shadar Logith scene.
2: I just like the idea of having some literal disease looking thing just spreading across the city, and whatever is alive, it will just disintegrate. That yeah. is so terrifying to me. And the fact that I, at first, I thought it was only like a secluded amount of like space, I guess you want to call it, that would be able to. Like a blob, that, like a blob, exactly. But when it's, um, I think it's it's a gwayne, it? and like mm-hmm. gwayne and Perrin. Like and Perrin are when on they the top high. of the castle. Yeah, when they get high and you see it overrunning the entire city, that's when you're like, holy fucking shit! Like this isn't something that's meant to be escaped from. Like mm-hmm. this is gonna murder anything that's alive in the city. Dude, talk about cutting it close. They jumped
3: literally right as the mold, oh. the black mold, was getting to their feet. Like, are
1: we talking broken legs thing. here? <laughs> yeah. So,
2: Should have broken their
1: legs in that fall. (laughs) Of course, like after they all get split up into their three different groups, we have Lan and Moraine by themselves. Lan's just holding a sick Moraine and doesn't is pretty lost at what to do. And at this point, we have a blade put to his neck. And this is the closing statement of the final episode. You turn and you see a fucking disheveled Nynaeve holding the blade right to his throat. Says, if you don't take me to them right now, I'll slit your throat.
2: I mean, exactly Bang. what I said in the instant reaction is the fact that she was able to sneakily just get behind Lan and just hold a knife to his throat is just already proves that she is so sneaky. Mm-hmm. That, that was... gives her such a power increase in my mind. Like before that, like, OK, she was taking on a truck a little bit with her and Egwene. Sure, we'll give her credit. <laughs> but right here is the moment for me where it's like, damn, give this fucking girl some respect. I. That's funny you say that.
3: Because my first thought was the opposite. I was like, damn, man, you really dropped the ball here. <laughs> I was like, you're supposed to be like, you know, the uh, the warder. Like, I understand my thought process was, you know, like he's looking yes. down at an unconscious moraine right now. He's preoccupied. He's trying to save her. You know, he's probably not on as high alert.
2: But to your point, I need is a badass. And we get into more of the stealthiness in the next episode. But Nynaeve definitely has some like shadowy aspect to her. Which I I like that.
3: So happy when she appeared on screen because I was like, I knew it. it, wasn't dead. Yeah. You don't show me their death on screen. I don't trust. So I do want to go back a little bit, just real quick. The fact that Matt woke up and to you know whispers was this more of the dark whispers? <laughs> I
2: knew you were right? bring
3: that. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be. And to continue on when he does go around the corner or like turn the turn the street, he sees the shadow go into a room. I, and I was thinking, is that a physical being actually leading him in the way, or is that somebody giving him visions? Like, look, we already know the madness can make you see things that you don't think are there. So like, does madness have Matt or it was their actual being in there leading him there. And then the other thing I assume that whatever the black mold was got released as soon as he opens the chest and unsheaths the golden knife because it had an ember on it or it had a Ruby on it. That looked like, you know, the, the ember eyes of the, the evil one a little bit. I might be stretching there, but I mean, as
1: soon,
3: <laughs> as, soon as he opens it, You're as really soon as he something. opens it, all all fucking shit hits the fan. So, yeah, I I assume that the the evil that took everyone over in the first place uh, in that town was somehow sealed in there, and then this is not really this is a, not really a complaint, but like, wouldn't the Trollocs they wouldn't go in? Wouldn't they just surround the area? It's a huge, it's, it's a huge city. Enough. It is really big, it's huge. Okay. Yeah. Thank
1: you. You remember when you saw Randy he was looking out? It oh, like that's Assassin's true. Creed, like it was yeah. like a full on fucking. You yeah. even if they had a full army, like you he, couldn't surround. He, the he whole... couldn't even see the other side. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. He, Land does ride out the same way they went in, but it, it's kind of a narrative choice, I will say. I guess I is like a, a nice way to say that. But <laughs> to build off of the idea of the whispers and everything, when Matt opens the box and picks up the dagger, the whispers stop. Uh, all of the, the noise in the background stops so it might not have been unsheathing it might have been opening the chest it, I'm just saying I'm not speculating I'm just saying <laughs> that when the he picks it up the, the whispers do end
2: you're listening to the Geekscape Network